Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. We looked at 1 Corinthians 1. We thought about calling. Last week, we looked at the value of consistency. This week, we look at courage. Courage. It's an interesting, uh, this would be another example of a topic that um, I know the Lord invited me to speak on because it's not one that would have come to like the top of my list of things that I super want to talk about necessarily. Courage is not something that falls into the realm of things that I'm like naturally thinking about a whole lot. And so it's been really good for me to prep for today. You know, courage is one of those interesting things, a little bit like consistency that we talked about last week, where it's not some topic that like pervades all of scripture. You don't see the word itself a whole lot, although you do see courage more than consistency just come up as a word. Um, But instead, it's one of those things that has to be kind of the foundation for the, the baseline for a lot of the things that we are called to. You could think of just the relationship between faith and courage. Not a whole lot of steps of faith that God is calling us to that don't at some very base level require uh, some courage on our part, some willingness to say, okay, I guess we are going to do this. Sometimes the Lord calls us into places and seasons and moments of obedience. Um, that don't feel comfortable, and the only way to describe what we have to do next is to just summon a little little bit of courage. You know, as I was looking at it, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, in the few times that he talks about courage, it's always in the context, the broader context, of sort of end-of-life stuff. And he's, he's thinking about courage and his willingness to just kind of put it all on the line every moment of every day, knowing that if he, he does so, uh, that would have been a life well lived before, before God. It, it shows up at the end of life context. The courage to end well is kind of uh, what Paul, uh, it's how he likes to use the term, which I find like deeply compelling. It's fun to start new stuff. It's cool to see it pushed through to a place of, of quality, but the courage then to see it through, to, to see our lives through to the end. That's how Paul thinks about it. But when you and I think about courage and scripture, the story of scripture, I imagine um, that our minds go to a similar place. And that would be the beginning of the book of Joshua. Perhaps uh, one of the more uh, famous phrases from scripture, be strong and courageous. 
be strong and courageous. And that sounds like a nice like pep talk before your losing team goes out to take the field for the second half. Be strong and courageous. We got this. So much more than that, though. It's really interesting to see who is saying be strong and courageous. Joshua 1.9 was the verse that I grew up uh, with in middle school, elementary school. The, the verse that I learned um, early on. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That was the verse I learned. But it's interesting, that is not the first place that this phrase shows up. It shows up, one, a couple times earlier, in, just in chapter, chapter 1. But even Joshua 1 is not the first place that be strong and courageous shows up. This is a carryover from Deuteronomy 31. And while it is God who is saying this, commanding this to Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 1, in Deuteronomy 31, Moses is the first one who uses this command, and he's talking to, to Joshua as well. And then we hear the command on, on the lips of the Lord as well in Deuteronomy 31. It's a carryover. And, and as we think about those two chapters together and, and where Joshua finds himself in, uh, in life, in this particular instance, Josh, the book of Joshua starts on a pretty ominous note, a somber note. After the death of Moses is the first phrase of the book of Joshua. It's trying to paint this picture. The, the head of the faith of this people is gone. And we have this nice little uh, encouragement, this nice little phrase, be strong and courageous to hold on to. And it's repeated so much that I can't help but think that Joshua was just not a very courageous guy. When Moses is coming to the end of his life, he knows it's almost his time. And he's like, he knows what's ahead. He, he knows God's plan for his people is to take them into this new land. Moses didn't get to see it himself. That was his own thing. That was a whole ordeal. It wasn't going to be for Moses, but, but Moses knew that even though he himself wasn't going to experience what God was doing, that the next stage of what God was going to be doing for his people, it was going it's going to be moving in a particular direction. It's going to take him to a new place in a new land. And it's, it's going to be a scary ordeal. And they're going to need a leader who, who can take them there. And, and when Moses gets to the end of his life and he's like, what is it that I need to tell to Joshua? What is it? What's the piece of advice that needs to ring in his ears as I am no longer? And he takes the reins. Let's be strong and courageous. 
And then the Lord comes along a few verses later and says, be strong and courageous. And then three times in the first chapter of Joshua, we get it from the Lord to Joshua again. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'm taking you to a new place. Courage and faith go together like this, right? Faith is often an invitation to something that we haven't been to yet, whether it's some like inner space that God is calling us towards. We'll talk about that later. Maybe God's calling us to a new season in our lives. Maybe he's calling us to a new place, period. Whatever that is, it's going to take, it's going to take some measure of courage. And so God just keeps reminding Joshua because I, I imagine it's the thing he needs to hear the most and the thing he's most readily eager to forget. He's scared. So much so that the next time we hear Joshua be commanded to be strong and courageous, it's not from God. It's from his own people at the end of chapter one. They then say, Joshua, be strong and courageous as you lead. And it's not until chapter 10 a lot of stuff happens in the book of Joshua that people are varying levels of comfortable and not comfortable with. We can talk about that at some point. But the, the whole point of Joshua is that God is bringing his people along into an uncomfortable and new space. And it's not until chapter 10 that Joshua finally gets it, and he, and he then can turn to his people and say, be strong and courageous. We're ready for this next step. We are ready for this. Do you hear how many times he had to hear it himself and how much life he had to live to experience the value of it? He had to go through so many steps and stages before he was actually ready to in good faith, say, hey, let's actually be the courageous ones. Let's, let's do this. I love that because it means that you and I here this morning, regardless of how courageous we may feel, if I asked you to use 10 words to describe yourself, maybe courageous doesn't even like crack the top 100. And the beautiful thing about that is God still says to you, be strong and courageous. You don't have to feel like a courageous person to be able to take courage seriously. And I think we need to take it seriously because we need courage to do the things that matter the most. Uh, and the more that, uh, the further along I get in this whole thing, and the more Gianna and I talk, like it's, it's hard for us to ever get past that Matthew 22 passage where, where Jesus whittles down what is actually most important. He says, you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love God with all of your oomph. Love God with all of your being. And then love your neighbor as yourself. So there's these three rungs, right? Love God, love neighbor, love self. And like, I hope, I genuinely hope that I... That I sound like a skipping record, that you cannot come to Westside for more than a couple of weeks without me saying in some way, or you hearing in some respect, you have to love God. Your call is to love God and to love people. 
And to love self. Self is actually in there. And we need the courage for all three. I want to talk a little bit about why I think we need courage for all three. First, the courage to love God. The courage to love God. We, we are called to take steps of obedience with the confidence that God, what, what God wants for us is what's best for us. We are tempted to live our lives as if what is comfortable is what is best for us, or as if what is um, easy to explain to another is what's best for us, or what makes sense to culture is what's best for us, or what's easiest to explain to mom and dad is what's best for us. And there could be some overlap with those things, but ultimately what God is calling us to, the kind of lives that God is calling us to, what he sees as best is what's actually best. And sometimes that's going to mean living in a countercultural way. Taking a step, making a move, doing something that does not, on sense, make paper to a whole lot of people around you. And that's okay. That is okay, brothers and sisters. It is easy to let the opinions of others dampen our courage and therefore dampen our ability to, how do, we, how do we show that we love God? Well, we do that by loving others, but we also do that by taking steps of obedience. Obedience and love are connected all throughout scripture. If we, want to, we can say that we love God all we want with our, with our mouths, but if our lives don't back it up at some point, the question is, where is that? How are, we, how are we supposed to know? How are we supposed to know that we love God? I mean, and this is all throughout um, all throughout the New Testament as well. When, when Paul is talking to Timothy, he said, God didn't give us a spirit to make us timid. He didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of love and a sound mind. He didn't call you to sheepishness. And this is not a personality thing. This is, this is something that runs deeper. He said, don't be timid, Timothy. You're young and you got all kinds of reasons for people to like write you off, but you don't be timid. You go do your thing before the Lord and watch him show up. Watch him do stuff that you couldn't imagine on your own. And then Paul talking to, talking to the Romans said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. It might... It might sound odd to some. It's going to sound odd to some. It may sound offensive to some. We don't lean, we, we don't lean into offensive for the sake of offensive. We'll get to that in a second. We don't do that. But sometimes just saying what the gospel is, is going to be off-putting to some. And Paul says, I am not going to let that dampen my courage when it comes to proclaiming the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed. Some of, us, some of us need a reminder to not be ashamed. And I think one of the best antidotes for not being ashamed of the gospel is just to submerse yourself, submerge yourself in the gospel, to read it over and over again and be reminded of how, notice later on in that verse, he says, because it's the power of God to save. Not because it's an idea that's a little bit weird, but I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it work in your life. And there, I'm not ashamed of it. It might sound a little bit odd, but I've seen it do too many good things for too many people. So I'm not going to be ashamed of it. 
This is why we come to church. This is why we are here. This is why we talk about consistency last week. Because there is something, there's something about the bolstering of our faith that can only happen when we're here and watching it happen, when we're watching people be baptized. There's something that, is, that goes on in your heart that cannot happen anywhere else. You can't get it through a podcast. That's why we are here. Courage to love God through steps of obedience. Courage to love God by standing up for the truth. Now, I, when I say courage, the, the first thing that comes to some of your minds is stand up for the gospel. And I just did this whole thing about not being ashamed for the gospel. Yeah, of the gospel. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Stand up for the truth. Absolutely. Um, and we get this, you, I mean, from a number of places in Scripture. One of the most popular places that's used in this conversation is 1 Peter 3. So let's just, you know, instead of thinking about what it says, let's look at what it says. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So let's, let's start there. <laughs> Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. And that's where some of us stop. Always be prepared to give an answer. And all of a sudden, I've got my, uh, my license to apologetics, right? Be prepared to give an answer. And we get real excited. And in fact, some of us approach our lives as if the deliverance of the world is dependent upon our ability to answer the tough questions. Right. And we care really deeply about, about truth and all that stuff. And I want to affirm that and say that that is good, but also remind us that we, that God, sometimes we reduce God to an idea to be defended. And we forget that God is actually this being who is inviting us into relationship. And out of that relationship comes this sort of life, ought to come this sort of life that somebody might ask a question about. That's what's happening in 1 Peter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that's in you. If we spend all our time thinking about the answers we're going to give, it's quite possible we will devote too much attention to that, too much energy to that, so that the hope is ever actually given a chance to, to thrive, to grow. If we, if we focus so much on like an idea that we are supposed to be right about and not a God that we're supposed to be in love with, the hope will dwindle over time. We shoot ourselves in the foot when we, when we are known as people who are ready for a good argument. Man, that is such a tiny, tiny part of the faith. There is this verse that is used as this bedrock for this whole field of apologetics. And that's, that's good. The vast majority of scripture is calling us to love God, not defend God. It's calling us to love God, not stand up for him. Do we need to stand up? Do we need to be courageous? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. But sometimes, sometimes the courage is, is going into 
a conversation knowing I might not know all the answers to this, but I do know a God who loves me and loves you very well. That's way less comfortable, right? It's way less comfortable. The verse goes on, give a reason for the hope that is in you, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's still there. (laughs) Gentleness and respect peace is easier to do when you're living from a wellspring of hope. And that is the work that God wants to do in our lives. He He wants us to live from a place of hope, a contagious hope, a beautiful hope that people around us can't help but go like, what is with that person? They just like, they have a way of getting through the ups and the downs of life that is just different. Like that's, that's the nature, that's the, the quality of interaction that is being, being talked about here. It's not angry apologetics for God. Okay. So we love God by obedience, by standing up for the truth, yes but by being in relationship with him. Then then we have the courage to love others. um, The courage to love others. And let's just start with uh, the courage to love our enemies. Um, My bad news for you this morning is that this is still in the Bible. (laughs) This is still there. Matthew 6 43. You've heard it a bunch of times, and I don't know about you, but I need to hear this one again. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do, you, do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Quite the punchline, Jesus. Thank you. (laughs) The courage to love our enemies. And I will, there's a lot that we could say about this. I'll simply leave it at, at this for right now. The amount of energy that we put in to how we think about our enemies. Um, It can be an indicator sometimes of um, of where our heart's at. Uh, We, here's what I mean. Um, we, We live in a moment where talking heads from uh, your favorite news source to your favorite podcast, your favorite author, whatever, most of those are more interested in you growing increasingly irritated at and angry about your enemy uh, than they are in you actually doing something productive in the opposite direction, right? And so if you devote your life to, if you and I spend most of our time listening to those voices that are just there to rile us up in anger about another, what someone else is doing or what someone else is not doing, if that's the, if that's the soundtrack that we're letting pervade our, our minds, if that's what we're letting get in there, 
do you not think that loving your enemies is going to be a little bit more difficult then? The command is still there. It's not going away. Regardless of how you view your enemies, you say, well, I've got a lot of enemies. Congratulations, you're called to love all of them. <laughs> My enemies are awful. Congratulations, you're, you're called to love them. The way that we foster our heart's position, the way that we curate the stuff that is coming into our hearts and our minds through the stuff that we listen to, the stuff that we read, it is directly related to our ability to love another. It is. And some of us just need to, need to unsubscribe from, from some pieces of content that are making the life that Christ is calling us to more difficult. It's just, whether that voice is, quote, Christian or not. We're called to love our enemies. Um, we're called to love those who are hurting. And, and we all come into this room hurting. Uh, and knowing the need for love that those who are hurting have. Um, and sometimes... Um, our, our position, our, our, our natural disposition is to um, uh, shrink back and uh, be afraid to uh, offer ourselves. Uh, but in reality, you, you are the thing that is called to be the love to your hurting neighbor. Um, this, for those who know the love of Christ, there, sh there should be Man, this ever-growing compassion, this desire for the broken places of the world to see the healing power of God there. And that is not just an external transaction. It's actually something that we are called to be a part of. It's easy to shrink back when a situation feels too painful or too big uh, for us, for sure. Um, but we are called to engage nonetheless. Uh, I love this little quote from Brene Brown. Uh, she says, to be able to stand in discomfort with people who are processing shame or hurt or disappointment or hardship and to be able to say to them, I see you and I can hold space for this is the epitome of courage. Love that. To be able to sit in that uncomfortable moment, that moment that you, that sometimes feels like it's never going to end. Or you just like don't know where it's going. And you have no answers. And like that is, that is where courageous love shows up. That is why we are called to do this together. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to love the hurting well. We're called to love each other well through the context of the church. And hence the call to consistency last week. So much of what the New Testament writers are interested in is not just this evangelistic 
outreach, but also like we got to get our stuff together, like inside the walls. We got to learn how to love one another well. And it doesn't mean we're all going to get along perfectly all the time. And it doesn't mean we're all going to have similar opinions on everything. The point is that the love of Christ unites us in the midst of the difference. And that, that his grace is bigger than my flimsy opinions on whatever. We're called to courageous love of our brother and sister here in the context of the church. And finally, the courage to love the self. Courage to love the self. You and I get to include ourselves in this courage project. Uh, for many of us, the breakthrough in life that we are looking for is on the other side of being honest with ourselves about ourselves. It's on the other side of being willing to confront um, a nagging pain, an old story that we can't stop telling ourselves, um, something difficult from the past that seeps its way into our lives. And some of those things we don't ever fully move on from, but some of those things we are called to start thinking about. Some of us, some of us the, the most important thing that we could do in 2024 is to like go see a therapist and like start like working on some of this stuff. And, and as I even bring this up for the first like 45 seconds, your heart's already pounding. Your, your mind is racing, your gut is tightening. It's your body saying, hey, there's something here. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, there's something here. God, it takes so much courage to confront our stuff. Um, but there, there cannot be really a more important place for us to start working on. If we want to get better in these realms of loving God and, and loving enemy and loving others and loving the hurting, if we, if we want to grow in courage in all of those areas, we have to exhibit some measure of courage in the own growth and healing process that we need within ourselves. We're, we're called to God is interested in your emotional health. He's like interested in that, in you becoming a full person. Uh, pastor and author Pete Scazzaro says it this way. He says, emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And we, and we, see, we see that, right? We can see examples of that with somebody else in some other room somewhere. Right? We, we can think of examples of that, of, of folks who have claimed Christ for a whole lot of years and yet have not uh, dealt with some glaring like things, right? And I, I just, I, I want to, I want to, and here 
with you hearing like that, that God like sees you in the midst of whatever it is, that thing that, that comes up and makes your heart pound. That God sees you in the midst of it and is interested in healing and interested in growth here and now. And that I'm not coming here to promise you that your life is going to be better and easier because you go through this process of dealing with stuff. It, it, it will be better, but better is not the same as easier. This, this, is, this is tough stuff, but there is such great beauty to be found in God putting together the broken pieces that we, that we didn't want to pick up in the first place. That is the very, that is the gospel. That newness of life that we could not have thought of on our own. We could not have managed on our own. So I just, I want you to think as a way of reflecting, as a way, as we close here today, I want you to just ask yourself that there's, there's so many different directions we could go with this courage thing. I want you just to take a moment and think, in which realm of courage do you feel God calling you to grow in this season? Is it in the loving God realm? Is it in the loving people realm? Is it in the loving self realm? Is there a hurdle you got to get over when it comes to just following what Jesus is calling you to do? Just like some basic steps of obedience that you might feel like unsure about because of the way society will will view it? Is, is there a, an enemy hump that you just like cannot get over right now because you're stuck in a pattern of the way that you think about and listen about and consider other people? Is there, is there something in your heart that Jesus is interested in talking about that you've put off limits to this point that he's saying, let's, let's bring this to the table again? Um, It's okay if you don't feel courageous. It is okay if you feel like this is too big for you, like any one of these steps is too much right now. Because in the, in the midst of that, Christ is coming to you and saying, be strong and courageous. Summon the strength that I will give to you. Take on the courage that I provide for you. And stand up and go take a step in the right direction. Worship team, why don't you come on up? We're going we're gonna to sing. Um, our prayer team will be over here. Um, you made it. We got to the end, and now we get to, we get to eat. Uh, but I, I, I trust, uh, I encourage you in this moment to, to not leave alone what you feel like God is pricking in your heart, what God's doing with you. So if you, if you got something you want to talk about with the prayer team or with me or with somebody else, maybe talk about it with your, with your tables. Lord, um, we, we come to you in uh, varying levels, with varying levels of courage, of strength, of weariness, sheepishness. Uh, we know um, that steps of courage um, are called steps of courage because uh, they're a little bit scary. 
We know that you are the God of newness, that you call us into new places, new seasons, new things, uh, and that you ask us to be new people along the way, that you actually provide that newness of life. And so, Lord, wherever you are calling us right now, would you give us um, the courage to not let ourselves off the hook, but to stand in this moment and meet you where you're, where you're asking us to be? to meet you right there and trust that you will lovingly, graciously hold our hand and walk us through whatever is next. In Jesus' name.